This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Okay, today, for our teaching time, we are going to go over the Acts passage, Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now, one interesting thing about this passage is what it reveals to us about the entirety and the totality of God's plan for salvation. The root of this passage in Acts 11 is found in Genesis 12.3. You say, how can that be? Well, it's because, remember when God was talking to Abram, who was named Abram at that time, leave your place and go to a land that I will show you. And all of the world and all of the families of the world will be blessed through you. And that's how it's together there, because... God has always intended his plan to be a worldwide endeavor and not just limited to only the Jews. He always intended it because that's what he said to Abram. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So, it's, again, it's always been a worldwide mission. And even Peter, his Pentecost message in Acts chapter 2, he quoted from the prophet Joel, where it says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. So this has always been a worldwide endeavor. And again, in the same Joel passage, everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Now, What we read in Acts 11 is that the Jewish believers were horrified by Peter visiting with Gentiles. And so that indicates to us that among the Jewish believers, there was just still a little smidgen of prejudice towards the Gentiles. They were not supposed, Jews and Gentiles, according to the law, the Jew was not supposed to go in, sit down and eat with a Gentile. They weren't supposed to have any fellowship with the Gentiles. They were supposed to be keeping their distance. Gentiles were, in one way to put it, persona non grata to the Jews in their households. So this was revolutionary. Now, the legalists there questioned Peter. And it's interesting to note that they were not upset that the Gentiles were saved. That's not what bothered them. Look at what they said in verse 3. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. That was Peter's big faux pas as far as they were concerned. There was almost no interest whatsoever in the fact that the Gentiles that household of Cornelius' people had received the gospel. Now, that, is, that should blow your mind in a way. 
because the issue was really whether or not the gospel was getting spread, whether or not the gospel was being shared. The issue was not whether or not Peter entered the house of a Gentile, because God was concerned at that moment that Cornelius' household and all of his family or whoever he brought with him would be saved. And it's interesting to note here, Cornelius was not saved until the, pouring of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and after Peter had started talking. Because the scripture passage tells us plainly, Peter will declare to you a message by, which, or by how you may be saved. So Peter needed to be doing the preaching there, and he did. Now, let's take note of verse five, 4. Peter did not pick a fight. He simply explained what was going on. He didn't aggravate them. He didn't try to argue with them. He shared his experience. And often Peter's speech here is classified as a defense speech or a piece of forensic rhetoric. While no, formally it may be this, the story also invites us to see Peter's response as more pastoral than argumentative. There may be this. There are no fancy, theologically loaded words in what Peter has to say. He does not argue scripture with them. He does not argue with their underlying hermeneutical lens. And by hermeneutical, that means how to interpret it. Verse 4 says that Peter explained step by step his experience of God's work among the Gentiles. Formerly, perhaps, it, was, it is forensic rhetoric, but the appeal is to experience. His experience of God and of the Gentiles' reception of the Spirit. He's basically saying, let me tell you a story. And we all know the story, right? Peter was up on the roof, and he had this vision, and he saw this thing like a sheet lowered. He looked at it and saw all those critters. And God said to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Oh, no, God, no, I've, I've never eaten anything unclean. And then God responds, What I have declared clean, you can't say is dirty still. In other words, God was saying, very politely, don't argue with me, Peter. This is my deal here. And while he's doing this, he does that. That happens three times. Those three guys from Cornelius' household show up at the gate and begin knocking. And then the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with those guys. So he does. And that's our wonderful story there. Now, let's also keep in mind that Peter here was really sharp. He took six of his brothers with him. Now you say, well, why was that important? Well, it's just this simple. Witnesses. There are six other people there who are Jewish believers who witnessed the phenomenon that's going on right there in Cornelius' house. So he's got these six other guys there with him while he's while he's talking, and they can all say 
the same thing. Oh yeah, the Gentiles have received the word of God. Now, Peter, in this instance, had a vision. And yes, it was a vision from God. Yes, he saw some heavenly stuff. And yes, Peter was obviously deep in prayer when it happened. Because it says he was in a trance even. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But it was something like, well, he was just lost in the presence of God. And he was praying mightily. And then God gave him this vision. So Peter, Peter had a vision. And we can't underestimate that or we can't say it enough. Because Peter's vision that the Lord gave him was his motivation for going to preach to Cornelius' household. Yes, there's the element of obedience, but he had a vision. Now, we all remember probably what Proverbs 29.18 says. And Proverbs 29.18 is pretty profound if you think about it. And I would suggest that we do think about it. Thinking about Scripture is a good thing, right? Okay, good. I'm glad we're in agreement on that. All right. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. So you say, what does that mean? It means that if we don't have a vision at work in how we serve the Lord and what we're doing here at church and all these other things, we're just going to kind of, Okay, we'll go to church again, and it's going to be church as usual. We're going to go, we'll do some singing, we'll hear some scripture, and we'll listen to Father Mike for a while, and then we'll all go home. Well, you know, we're supposed to do that, don't get me wrong, but there's got to be that element of vision, that driving passion inside of each one of us that keeps us going and keeps us being willing to serve the Lord because we have a purpose. We have a reason for doing this. So we need to have a vision. So this Sunday, today, I'm going to propose to you an idea that will ultimately should lead to the growth of this church. From wherever you live or wherever you work, or with whomever you work, think of one person who you know is lost and needs to be saved. And from this day forward, and don't give up, start praying for that person to have a willing heart to listen to the Word of God and to listen to you when you ask them to come to church. Everybody with me on that? Find one person, only one, because if you have a whole string of people, you're going to get tired of praying for like 14 people a day. So make it just one person, somebody you know who actually you may like and who you would like to see come to the Lord and pray for them every day, every day. Don't let up and don't give up and never quit. Because one of these days, God will faithfully answer your prayer 
And there will be that divine appointment, as it were. You'll be with this person and you'll start talking to them. And suddenly, strangely, the conversation will drift to spiritual things. And don't be surprised because that's what you've been praying for. Amen? And then there's the opportunity, the open door to invite them to come to church. Don't argue with them. Just say, hey, you know, I go to this really neat church. It's in an unconventional location, but I go to this really cool church. And I want you to come and see what it's like to experience it. And then if they say no, you know what you do then? Who said that? Grandma. <laughs> keep praying because they weren't ready that time. But keep praying. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. This is a concrete way to actually grow the church non-confrontationally. And that's an important detail. You don't argue with the people. You don't try to debate theology with them. You don't try to remember all of your great arguments for defenses of the faith. You say, okay, well, think about it. And then drop it. And like Judy said, keep praying. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. <laughs>